Far up north, there is a remote prison full of criminals and ne'er-do-wells. Three podcasters are chained together when one makes a run for it. Will they make it through the snowy wilderness alive? What characters have they left behind? And what of their sick mother waiting at home? It's episode 35, Abashiri Prison. Hello and welcome to another episode of Toho Yaro, a monthly Japanese film club podcast. Uh, to this month, I am your host, Joey Weiser, and my co-hosts, as always, are Scott Dryman. Hey, Scott. Hey, Joey. And Alex Kazanas. Hey, Alex. Hey, Joey. Hey, uh, before we get started, Alex, you had a note about last month's episode, that didn't you? That, that you wanted yes, to say? Yes, I... I certainly do. I certainly do. Uh, yeah, uh, last month's episode, I forgot to mention at the top, and I feel like an, an idiot for doing this, um, Is uh, was a listener request um, from uh, uh, my friend Mike McGraw, who um, doesn't really have so much of an online presence, but uh, please check out his band Chaos Destroy. It's a uh, like a noise punk band that has been recognized by Japanese noise punk band uh ghetto getty gay 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 um <laughs> i i thought that i would uh, give him a little bit of a plug as well so if that's if that's your uh if that's your thing then then please listen to it um he's quite popular uh, i wonder if, and also uh, thank you mike i wonder if they know the uh texaco chain massacre guys or whatever from uh, <laughs> the classroom segment oh, yeah um, but yeah, so if you're looking for someone, if you watched uh, Funky Forest on a recommendation and wanted somebody to blame, that's uh, Mike McGraw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that was awesome. And yeah, uh, uh, for those who are newer listeners, we do um, uh, three listener requests a year is the way that our schedule is is uh, split up with each of our hosts choosing one uh, to cover at some point. So if you have a suggestion of a film you'd like us to cover, let us know and we'll uh, definitely add it to the list. Um, but this month we are covering Abashiri Prison from directed by Taro Ishii, who's probably most well-known uh, for being one of the most prominent directors in the Eroguro subgenre of exploitation films. That is the erotic slash grotesque uh, <laughs> genre. Uh, films like uh, Blind Woman's Curse with uh, Meiko Kaji and adaptations of Edogawa Rampo's work like uh, The Horrors of Malformed Men. Um, but Abashiri Prison and its following sequels, which I think there were like 10, I think, of the original and then some Shin Abashiri prison movies too um, uh, are what like made him a, a like noteworthy director originally in Japan. Um, and I, I suppose it's also worth noting that uh, the character Oren Ishii from Kill Bill uh, is named after him. So um, if, if uh, Ishii oh. sounds familiar to anybody out there. Um, as far as the notable actors, um, the character Shinichi Tachibana is played by Ken Takakura, uh, who we had covered uh, his career quite a bit, in, uh, including Mr. Baseball, Scott, uh, <laughs> on uh, our Yellow Handkerchief episode. Uh, so you can listen back on that for full details. But uh, like Ishii, this is the film series that uh, made Takakura a well-known name in Japan and led to his eventual like huge success. Um, the character. I think it's interesting mm-hmm. to note about these actors, by the way, this is like, this is of course indicative of, uh, like Sonny Chiba and, and, uh, and guys like, like, uh, Bunta Sugawara. Um, and like, uh, they all have, uh, like one big movie under their belt and then that becomes, you know, a long running movie series and that's what gets them 
uh, mm-hmm. famous. I don't know. I've, I just kind of like put that together that this is a, a kind of a trend for uh, actors of this period too. And I think uh, Meiko Kaji had a similar mm-hmm. uh, similar thing, right? Yeah, yeah. She has like a yeah, kind of like one series that was like sort of popular, and then eventually one that was her big huge breakout hit. But yeah, yeah, you know, and Takakura is one who I think is really interesting because he's like the biggest like movie star uh, of his time. And he's like not super well known in America, uh, which I think is interesting. Um, Gonda was played by uh, Koji Nanbara, who is in uh, he's in Lady Snowblood 2 and Branded to Kill. And uh, he's the uh, dub voice of Darth Vader in the uh, movie theater version of the first two films, which I assume means like I'm pulling this from Wikipedia. I assume that that means that he was the first dub actor in the 70s cuts. And then maybe they've got a new uh, voice that they do uh, for the newer home video releases or something. But yeah, that that dude that's, uh, uh, you know, uh, chained to um, Takakura throughout the second half of the movie is the voice of Darth Vader, which I thought was interesting. Oh, that's interesting because the uh, I know that the voice of Darth Vader also shares the same voice actor as Gaimon from One Piece and Homer Simpson. Mm, yeah. Um, but so that, that might must be, be the home video release one. And this is probably who they had do it during those theatrical cuts. Just that makes sense. Yeah. I, uh, it's, it, this is sort of a weird roundabout way of, of, um, bragging that I have two different Japanese <laughs> versions of, oh. uh, of star Wars, uh, episode four, a new hope. Um, but there are two audio tracks on the, on the hmm. version that I have. And one of them is, uh, yeah, they're, they're both completely different. One of them sounds like it was recorded much, uh, much, much earlier. Mm-hmm. So very interesting. That is interesting. Um, and then, so Hazo Yoda, the sort of like boss dude uh, in the prison, is uh, Toru Abe, and uh, this guy is the sort of classic Toei villain dude. Uh, I see him all the time. Uh, he's in Lady Snowblood Two uh, and Blind Woman's Curse. Um, this dude just is in a ton of movies, like uh, hundreds of movies, and he's he's one of those guys that as soon as he shows up, you're like, okay, he's the bad guy. <laughs> yeah, he's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tsubaki, the the parole officer, is uh, played by Tetsuro Tamba. Um, this guy is probably best known uh, on our side of the globe as being Tiger Tanaka in You Only Live Twice, the James Bond movie. Yeah, Tiger Tanaka. Yeah, and um, he's he's in a ton of stuff too, uh, including Taro Ishii's uh, Bohachi Bushido, uh, Harakiri, and movies that we've mentioned on the show like Bullet Train and Message from Space. Uh, Yoji Yamada's Twilight Samurai, lots, lots of stuff. And uh, and some folks uh, I've seen think that he is the uh, the sort of basis for the character uh, Ray's Max from One Piece film Gold. Um, ah. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen some comparison uh, shots, and it's possible that he was the model for that. Um, there's the, the mysterious old man, uh, branded number 42 uh, in this movie, played by Kanjiro Arashi. And he's an old actor, uh, you know, obviously he's, he's older than the rest. So he's in, from a kind of different era of film. He was in a lot of silent films and he's been in a ton of like Jidai Geki. Um, he's probably, I guess he's most well known for playing a character named Kurama Tengu, this sort of historical hero that I, I admit I don't really know much about. Um uh, but he was great too, and and then uh, I I also had to mention Kunie Tanaka, who I didn't catch his character's name, um, but you know he's a favorite of mine. Uh, of course, he's uh, there's a One Piece character modeled after him as well, uh, modeled after his character Borsalino Two from the second Chuck Yarrow film. Um, he's basically a super great character actor that has a lot of tons of like minor roles and a lot of stuff. Uh, he's in all the battles without honor and humanity movies, uh, lots of Toei Yakuza films. Uh, he gets a close to starring role in, uh, Yoji Yamada's Gakko, uh, film, which is, uh, known as a class to remember in English. And, uh, he's in a couple Torasan films and he was in Kaidan, uh, or Kaidan, depending on your pronunciation, uh, which we covered, uh, a while back. Hmm. Um, yeah, but I think we yeah, were talking right. about it and we were kind of like, man, uh, I love this guy, but I don't think he's actually been in any of the movies that we've covered, mm-hmm. uh, besides Kaidan. So I was happy to, to see him and to be able to talk about him with you guys. Um, he's, he's severely younger in this movie. <laughs> yeah. It took me a second to, to recognize him because I guess the version of him that's, well, the Borsalino 2 is much 
you can see the lines in his face a lot more prominently. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. But he's, he always does that sort of like screwed up face thing where he's kind of talking out of the side of his mouth and it's <laughs> a very distinct, yeah. distinct look. Even like uh, Ken Takakura at one point kind of makes fun of the way he has droopy eyes and stuff. Yeah. Uh, which was weird. <laughs> you know, Ed, um, Ed from the One Piece podcast, friend of the show, uh, also brought up to me that Kune uh, uh, Tanaka is still alive. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Which I, for some reason, I thought he had passed away, but I... Uh, I believe he's retired. I don't think he's been in anything for a long time. Um, mm, but um, yeah, but yeah, I think he's still around. Um, and lastly, I just wanted to mention uh, that Abishiri Prison is a real place. Um, I kind of think of it as Japan's Alcatraz, <laughs> kind of, just because that it's a sort of famous uh, jail that that uh, shows up in fictional drama a lot. Um, I think possibly because this movie uh, series was so popular that I see it pop up from time to time in other uh, media things. Uh, it's way up north, uh, so it's in this sort of remote area that's difficult to escape from. Give, gives the movie the uh, cool, like, snowy uh, landscape and stuff. The thing that was really uh, confusing about Googling this movie is that uh, if you type <laughs> in Abashiri Prison, it is not the is not even on the first page of things Mm-mm, that, that no. show up. You can type in Abashiri Prison film or something like that. Um, yeah, yeah. And the title, like, I've seen the English title also called A Man from Abashiri Prison or The Walls of Abashiri Prison. So, you know, take your pick. Um so um, I'd seen this movie a few times. Uh, I tracked it down when I was interested in learning more about Ken Takakura. Um, like I said, sort of becoming fascinated with this guy who is this huge star in Japan, but I didn't really know anything about. Um, and and I know this was the first time uh, seeing it for both of you, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, this is my yeah. first time, and it was not quite the movie I was expecting in mm. a really good way. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I'm yeah. not sure what I, it, what kind of preconceptions I had going into it. Cause it's been a few years now since I, since I saw it, but, um, yeah, I, I, I like this movie a lot to jump ahead a bit. Um, I was, um, I was expecting something along the lines of, um, well, I guess cause, well, I was, I was thinking to myself, man, Joey sure likes these prison movies. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> cause you, uh, you also helmed, um, female prisoner scorpion as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I uh, was talking to, uh, so I'm, uh, I show movies from time to time in town at this kind of local bar film club thing. And I'm actually going to be showing this next month. And like I was talking with someone about it and they made the same when I said it was a prison movie, they made the same sort of implication like, oh, some weird, you know, (laughs) (laughs) prison movie. huh? And I was like, that's not really that. It's not like that. It's more like a prison escape drama type thing. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. I I really liked it. Um, how many how many movies are in the series? I think there's I I didn't look it up. I think there's 10 and then there's a Shin Abashiri prison like new Abashiri prison that there's like four or five of as well. And all the all the remakes are in color uh and from what I've seen they mostly take place like in cities like kind of after the character has like left the prison and it's always kind of like, I don't want to go back to prison type type stories. Right. And, and he might encounter uh Toru Abe who's also now out and causing trouble and things like that. Um, so it's not like uh, the revenge of the nerds movies where the sequels are just like the next generation <laughs> or, or, uh, or saved by the bell. <laughs> no, they're all Ken Takakura. And then some of the other cast members will show up uh, from what I've seen. Like Kunia Tanaka usually has like a little bit of part of it. And I think a few of them have um, um, Arashi in it as well, um, mm. which is cool because he's, he's great. Um, so yeah, the movie uh, begins with a few short scenes introducing the characters and, this is kind of a good example of how the movie is structured as a whole. It, it kind of jumps from short scene to short scene often, giving you like just a little piece of information or a single character moment. Um, and and so, yeah, we, we see uh, the men being brought and admitted to prison and we meet our key players. Uh, they're Tachibana, uh, a well-behaved Yakuza, uh, Ken Takakura's character, uh, who who gets some guff from the others for being a goody two-shoes. And then Gonda, um, a rough guy who likes to stir up trouble. Uh, we meet some side characters like this uh, sad dude who botched a double suicide uh, with his lover. And, and uh, Kunie Tanaka, who's this kind of slimy goofball guy. 
uh, with a number number of like small infractions under his belt that he he boasts about until uh, the, he's basically told like uh, you're no big deal. <laughs> yeah, I really love him like rattling all that off, talking about like what a big deal he is, and it's all this super petty stuff yeah. across like a bunch <laughs> of places. Like he's badass. It, yeah. it really like lets you know his character pretty quick. <laughs> and uh, and and we meet this uh, senior member in the jail who boasts that he's the uh, sworn brother of Onitora a notorious vicious murderer. Um, and then there's this old man who introduces himself uh, by his inmate number, number 42, which is the death number, according to Japanese numerology. Um, and he refuses to say what he's in for, but says that he has 21 more years to go of his sentence, which shocks uh, the rest of the inmates who are all in for much less. Um I what in reading about Abashiri prison I guess it's actually typically more of a place for short term uh uh incarceration which I think is interesting. Um so the prisoners uh do lumber work outside the prison and there's a brief scene where Tanaka's character grabs a cigarette uh stub dropped by some passing hikers. And at the work site, uh, they all want to share it. But uh, Yoda uh, claims it for himself, <laughs> the senior member, and he he ends up smoking it all. Um, and then we skip ahead to two years later to like a very similar scene. Uh, but now we see that the other guys are on more equal standing and they actually share the cigarette. Uh, Tachibana gives it to a new guy who I'm pretty sure is one of my favorite toy background actors. Uh, remember the big guy from Chuck Yarrow 5 with the... Um, with the like sumo outfit and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's him. He's much younger, um, like everybody is. So, uh, I'm pretty sure that that's him though. Um, but this, this, uh, angers Yoda. And I love that. I'm going to just keep calling this guy Yoda, by the way, speaking of star Wars, but it's his name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, he and some of the others attack Tachibana with flaming logs from the fire. Uh, Tachibana gets a flaming log of his own. Uh, but before he can fight back, they're called back, uh, to work. Um, that night, uh, Tachibana is attacked by Yoda and his crew, uh, but Tachibana alerts the guards. Uh, the rest of the prisoners bow down and apologize to the guard uh, for making a fuss. But when Tachibana refuses to apologize, he's put in solitary confinement. And this isn't just like him in a room by himself. They've got his arms strapped like behind his head in this like really uncomfortable uh, way that does not does not look nice. Um, and this is when we get the first of a few flashbacks. They're kind of sprinkled throughout the film. But basically, uh, when he and his sister were young, their uh, single mother was forced to marry uh, in order to provide for them. And however, she marries this like abusive man and Tachibana rebels and eventually uh, leaves home. Um, he's, uh, join, he, he joins a gang to survive and in a scene that looks like the end of most other, uh, Ken Takakura films from this time period, he, he ends up attacking a bunch of dudes as part of his job, uh, and kills a bunch of guys. And this is what gets him put in jail. Yeah. He uh, kills like six people and has a super short prison sentence for yeah. it. <laughs> it's real weird. It is real weird. You know, I don't know uh, the details of the Japanese law system, but I do get the impression that uh, that their sentencing is a lot less severe uh, than ours is. They were Um, probably just wounded like flesh. wound. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And he probably only got like booked for like slicing that one guy across the face. So, you know, Um so Tachibana uh, has been on good behavior ever since being put in solitary back in uh, current time and and uh, which he he may uh, get uh, early parole because of this. Uh, but he is also getting a lot of negative attention from Yoda and his group um, in order to prove that he's no suck up, though. Tachibana stages a very silly rebellion in the changing room. <coughs> Uh, This part involves a lot of Japanese wordplay that is kind of lost on me. But like the idea is that he calls out his number and then makes a joke out of it, dancing around. And this inspires others to do so. And we get this sort of what I'd call an extremely mild uh, prison riot (laughs) out of it with everybody kind of joking around and dancing and stuff. Yeah, even not getting the specific jokes is a pretty like fun, funny scene. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this is where he makes fun of uh, uh, Kunei Naka's droopy eyes, I think. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, I think so. Um, this uh, this gets him put back in confinement, and his parole status is now endangered. Um, this is where uh, the scene of him rebelling against their stepdad is in the in the um, flashbacks, and it's pretty intense. Him like shoving rice into the dad's mouth after he shames Tachibama's sister about eating too much, and this is a pretty good dramatic moment that it's I'd say <laughs> somewhat undercut by him wearing a very silly sombrero looking straw hat. <laughs> I love that hat. I know, me too. <laughs> it, I, I yeah. think it's Go ahead. I know, I was going to I was going to say that the uh like he seems much older in in this scene and uh could seriously look like he could take him pretty mm-hmm. pretty easy. That like uh, Yeah, didn't, didn't the first few like... flashbacks are like with child actors and then this is like I assume when he's supposed to be like a teen or something, but he basically is, I mean, he is full adult uh, Ken Takakura. And so, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I assume that straw hat is to try to like uh, hide his age or make him appear to be younger. Cause it's just this beat up straw hat looks like something you might've found somewhere. And, mm-hmm. but yeah, he is just a grown ass man <laughs> in this scene. That should probably be a teen. He's an anime teen. Yeah. He looks like an adult, but oh, he's yeah, actually sure. yeah, 13 yeah. years he's old. Yeah. Yeah, he's a Joe Star. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Tachibana is visited by his probation officer, Tsubaki. Uh, Tsubaki and Tachibana discuss his possible parole. Um, and he It sounds like he should be out in six months if he acts straight. However, Tachibana has been getting these uh, letters from his sister, and he's learned that his mother is sick with cancer. Uh, and uh, in a real dick move, his stepfather uh, doesn't want to spend the money to uh, to save her, saying, you know, like, what's the point? And uh, so her time is really limited. And Tachibana wants very much to see her and apologize for being absent and, and for his behavior and stuff. And uh, Tsubaki agrees to see if he can get him out sooner as long as he stays on good behavior. Um, unfortunately, however, uh, Yoda and the other inmates are planning an escape and they are trying to rope Tachibana in to help them. They try to play on his, uh, antsiness, you know, saying, you know, with this being the last like bit of his sentence, uh, but he keeps resisting them. And, uh, okay. So this is 1965, uh, but this plan is super basic it's like the most like stereotypical (laughs) break out of prison plan where like one of the guys is going to pretend to be sick and then when the guard comes to check on them they're they're going to jump him and and run free um i mean works in (laughs) works in metal gear solid yeah and that's and that takes place in the sort of future (laughs) yeah what these guys need are some cardboard boxes (laughs) Um, But uh, unfortunately, the whole cell has to be on board with this, and they don't think that the old man will be able to keep up with them. Uh, And Tachibana is concerned that they're they're planning to kill him. Uh, So he tries uh, to get the the old man to agree to go to a sick room because of his arthritis. But the old man kind of brushes him off. Um, However, he does kind of get this sense that Tachibana is concerned for him for some reason. So things are uh, looking good for Tachibana's parole, but uh, it's not happening fast enough. And eventually the night of the escape plan arrives. The prisoners uh, have made a shiv at this point, And Kunia uh, Tanaka is the one that uh, plays sick. Um, to to their credit, the, the guard basically falls for it. Um, <laughs> uh, and he plans to open the door, but the old man uh, tells him not to bother. He says that Tanaka is just adjusting uh, to the being in this severe cold and that if as long as all the uh, prisoners rub his belly, uh, he'll be he'll be fine. Which is, I like a, this nice, like homey uh, prison remedy. <laughs> uh, this this turns the rest of the inmates against him, of course, and uh, they surround him with their cushions, planning to kill him in retribution. Um He's attacked with the shiv, but easily gets a hold of it and turns it back on the, on uh, them. Uh, and he, he says that he's willing to go to the afterlife, but in, with a really cool line, he says that he's going to take one of them in uh, as an escort. Um, he turns to Yoda and says that they should go together since they're so close. Yoda is confused by this. Uh, and then the old man reveals that he is the legendary Unitora, and uh, this is who uh, Yoda is always boasting about uh, being brothers with. So bah, bah, the eight man murderer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This like vicious murderer whose name I love is like Demon Tiger. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's great. Um, 
Uh, yeah, I, I totally love this part. Um, yeah, I'm sorry that I kind of spoiled it on Twitter the other day, uh, at least for Alex. I don't know if uh, oh, Scott I didn't cut catch that. it. Uh, yeah, because there's a character that always oh, coming back to One Piece with us. Uh, there's this character in One Piece right now. That's this old man who's cut, who was revealed to secretly be this like feared mob boss guy. And uh, I was like, oh, that reminds me of uh, Onitora from from uh, Abashiri Prison. It does make me wonder if like this is a common like a common trope mm-hmm. um within uh yakuza stories or if uh oda intentionally like had this in mind yeah yeah um so anyway nobody ends up killing anybody uh and they all show reverence to onitora at this point um so then we get to this scene uh of the men traveling back uh uh, in the back of a truck to a work site, Yoda's men agree to make a jump for it. And because uh, Gonda and Tachibana are handcuffed together, uh, he is dragged along with them. And all the other escapees are rounded up uh, by the guards. But Gonda ends up shooting an officer who was trying to capture them. And Tachibana goes along with Gonda, uh, you know, which is kind of frustrating. It seems like you could just like sit there and be like, no, I'm not going. But, you know, he's he's being dragged along. And uh, after a while, they come across this house in the middle of nowhere. Gonda claims that it's a house of an acquaintance, but uh, I think he maybe says like like someone like family to us or something like that. But when uh, a woman uh, in the house sees him, he strikes her across the head with uh, a log or, or a two by four or something. And um, Gonda tells Tachibana that this is actually the house of Tsubaki, the parole officer, that he is now an accomplice for uh, injuring, possibly killing uh, his wife. Um, they get in this big fist fight, which I think is very cool, uh, how Ishii cuts, uh, between them and footage of these crows flying around. Um, it was just a pretty like stylish, uh, bit that I thought was really great. Um, so Tsubaki is informed and he, at this point, crumples up Tachibana's parole paperwork, which was ready to go. He was just about ready to get out. Uh, and we also learn uh, that um, Tachibana's mom was actually able to have this surgery and she is well. So he didn't even really need to be that antsy about getting out. But it, it's not that that was the problem. The problem is that he's being dragged along by this uh, other dude, by Darth Vader. Uh, so Gonda and Tachibana are on the run. Uh, they they sleep in a mine shaft where they they bond a bit, I'd say, <laughs> warming each other up and using the bathroom together. Um, and Tsubaki uh, continue, uh, eventually catches up with them and at these train tracks. And there's this like <laughs> pretty cool like train tram chase scene. Like it's like a one just one step away from those two sided seesaw things, you know, that you see in cartoons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like this chase scene a lot. It's, it's very, it feels very classic, like very classic cinema. Like, um, they, uh, eventually jump off and lose Tsubaki, uh, Tachibana and Gonda end up back on some train tracks, uh, after a bit. And Gonda suggests that they lay across the tracks with one of them under the train and one of them beside it. And then their chain is like across the tracks so that when the train comes along, uh, it will split it and free them. And eventually, uh, Atachibana agrees to this, and and after a little bit of like kind of gambling, they they decide uh, that he will be the one under the train. And however, uh, this actually works out fine for Atachibana, who uh, it is unscathed, but uh, it's Gonda who is badly injured. I can't quite tell. I, it kind of seems like maybe he was burnt by the exhaust, but he's he's kind of rocketed down. He, he tumbles down this hill into some, I think, like volcanic rocks where he's also badly burned and beat up. Um, yeah, I thought that like maybe he got clipped by the train, like his part of his head is like missing or something. Yeah, he, he comes stumbling out from this like area with a bunch of rocks and a bunch of steam coming up and stuff. So I think that he maybe had tumbled into there and got like burned up and stuff. But yeah, th- he's definitely like uh, worse off than Tachibana here. He's kind of on, on death's door um, and Tachibana is going to leave him for dead, but uh, he hears him mutter Martha, right? Uh, just- <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what I thought too. <laughs> hey, why did you say that name? <laughs> but no, no, he, he, he calls out uh, mom subconsciously and Tachibana realizes that they aren't so different. Uh, Tsubaki at this point arrives and Tachibana pleads that he get <clears throat> Gonda to medical attention ASAP, no matter what happens uh, with him. 
And Tsubaki realizes that Tachibana is, in fact, a good dude. Uh, and instead of shooting him, he fires a round off into the air. Uh, together, uh, they take Gunda off to get help. Uh, Gunda admits to Tsubaki that he dragged Tachibana along as they ride off into the snowstorm and the movie ends. And that was Abashiri Prison. Um, yeah, so I'm curious to hear what you guys thought. Uh, Alex, what were your basic thoughts? Man, I wasn't sure what to expect. I, I sort of thought that this movie was going to be like uh, Scorpion mm-hmm. and take place just entirely in prison. Uh, but like kind of from a male perspective, uh, and I thought there'd be a lot more killing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I guess, yeah, I guess I didn't have any expectations, so they were blown away. I loved this. Um, I thought that... Uh, it went places that I didn't think it was going. Like the entire last like 40 minutes of the movie is them like escaping uh, and going through. I mean, the environments aren't so different because it's all in the snow, but like through different environments, mm-hmm. like you mentioned, like there's that weird train chase and uh, they have to, you know, survive through the night when it's super cold. Mm hmm. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, I wasn't expecting any of that. And there's a whole cast of characters that I think is, I'm not going to say squandered because you get to know them a little bit, but because they're not in that last like 40 minutes really. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I wanted to see more of, uh, the demon tiger. <laughs> yeah. He's great. As, uh, yeah. I kind of wanted to see somebody get some comeuppance. Uh, but yeah, I really, I really enjoyed it and I was really rooting for, um, for Takakura's character the mm-hmm. whole time. Uh, I was like, no, no, he's just being dragged along. <laughs> Let him have his parole. Like, it was, I was very into this. Cool. Yeah, he's got such a big temper, but, like, it's coming from a good place because he's, like, when he attacks that his stepfather, it's in defense of his sister and mother. So he just, like, takes things a little too far in the moment, but ha- has a heart of gold that comes through in the end, so... Yeah, totally. What what else uh, did you think about it, Scott? Um, so I was expecting something uh, either along the lines of uh, Prisoner Scorpion or like a Battles Without Honor and Humanity. Uh, I was not expecting uh, what felt to me uh, very much like all of the American prison movies from the 60s and 70s, because there's mm-hmm. like a good 15, 20 year stretch there with like Cool Hand Luke, The Great Escape. Uh, Escape from Alcatraz, Longest Yard, a bunch of like uh, American prison movies with like varying levels of of comedy and action in them. And I felt that in this and I actually love that subgenre. So I was super excited cool. to like have this like there there is some threat, some menace in there, but it's a pretty like endearing cast of characters in that mm-hmm. prison cell, even though they're occasionally trying to murder people. Um, <laughs> yeah. But there, you, you get a very good sense of like them and their personalities and their roles really, really early on. And uh, all the action scenes were, I think, really well done with um, a couple of them maybe going on a little too long, like the tram one. Anytime it got it, it was using close ups, like mm-hmm. when he gets whipped in the face with the branch was a little hard to follow. Um, and I got really scared when the parole officer was trying to use his gun to slow down because I was like, if this was a Cohen movie, he would have just blown his own head off. <laughs> um, but that works out fine. Uh, but yeah, I, I had a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, I like both the action and just the bits where it's like these kind of little vignettes in the prison. Yeah. Uh, something about this movie that I really uh, got to take in were all the shots. Like this movie shot really, really well. Mm-hmm. And there's some really cool ballsy, ballsy shots that sort of, um, I'm not gonna say ballsy, but they're not like, uh, you know, you see a lot of like under the armpit shots or like, uh, in between somebody's legs or mm-hmm. something like that. Like, uh, I'm trying to remember where in the movie it was exactly, but, um, I think it's, uh, it's when they're chained together and they're, I, I, mm-hmm. I believe it's when they're in, uh, in the cabin and you're sort of like, they're sort of looking through shelves or something like that. And I don't know, I just, these are some gorgeous, some gorgeous looking shots. And for a movie that takes place, uh, in snowy fields and in black and white, like there's, uh, it, there's a lot that's surprisingly coherent, uh, and I kept thinking to myself, man, this must have been a real, you know, a real big pain in the ass to shoot because yeah, no I, 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 
Because I bet they shot on location, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, these didn't look like... I mean, maybe the prison sets cells were were sets possibly but i mean yeah like you said a, a lot a lot of this was filming outside you know yeah, yeah for sure um, um yeah there's there's a lot of like strangely modern direction going on i think one of my favorites is when they're walking down the train tracks together and the the camera is just at waist height and it's the chain between them coming straight at the camera before mm-hmm. transitions to the next shot. Um, but that and all the transitions in and out of the flashbacks being like very subtle and abrupt, uh, were all really neat and something that stood out to me. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I like this film a lot. Um, yeah, basically I can just echo what you guys have said. Like, I, I feel like it feels very like classic, very like, like a great example of this classic genre trope, you know, the prison prison escape film, like you're saying, Scott, um, and the cast is amazing. Um, you know, Takakura is so great. He's, he's like, not quite as like, doesn't quite have the same heaviness and stuff as he would later, uh, with like the yellow handkerchief, but like that's starting to show through for sure. Um, even, uh, as a younger actor, um, and the side cast is amazing. Uh, Kunia Tanaka, I just love watching him. Like, uh, even though he's always, a, you know, that's what makes him a great character actor is like he, he has these small parts, but I'm always like super happy whenever he's on film. And, and Tetsuro Tamba is, is really great, too. He's kind of great because he like seems uh, kind uh, at times, but he can be very imposing uh, when it's time because um, I think he's a pretty big guy. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, and and uh, the snowy landscape, though, and speaking of it being black and white, like I think it's perfect for a black and white movie because it just like looks so like cinematic and like stark that it just like looks so good. Um, mm-hmm. um, definitely. Um, like I said, the other sequels are like in color and they don't really take place. They they all take place like in the city and stuff. And they they, they from what I've seen, they kind of lose a little bit of that appeal um i don't know if you remember this but i I brought this film up actually when we covered tokyo drifter uh because it had some scenes uh there was a showdown on some snowy train tracks and it definitely reminded me of that um it has that very like iconic feeling that i'm a total sucker for Mm. um uh so scott what was your favorite part of the film um I, I feel like my favorite part of the film was just Yoda, the character mm. uh, in general. My favorite scene is probably the first one where he gets the cigarette butt and <laughs> it's he's just like smoking it down to a nub dripping off his lip while everybody is like sitting there like salivating over it, waiting for their turn that's not coming. And like he is such a good just just villain in this and he's film like without looking being up at them like, the whole time you know while oh he's yeah, doing he's that just staring at him <laughs> it's that that scene in particular is is such a it's such a great one to start you know uh start the time in prison with mm-hmm. just like oh hey this is like they can't even trade cigarettes they're like they're scrounging for a used one you know dropped by a hiker mm-hmm. and uh that scene where Yoda's like sucking on it and everybody's just sort of salivating it. it I can imagine a, uh, Osamu Tezuka comic where like, those are two, uh, like competing panels. <laughs> like it's staged really, really perfectly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Taro Ishii, uh, in general. Like, um, you know, I, I love blind woman's curse and I've seen a few other, other movies of his and, I, I, you know, I'm always kind of a little hesitant to jump into the stuff that, like I said, he's a big, like, Aroguro, like, erotic, grotesque, like, that's two things that I'm not <laughs> always super looking for, but, like, I'm always very interested in seeing, like, new or interesting filmmaking and stuff, and, and he's got an eye for it, and, yeah, I, I love his movies from what I've seen. Um, so, Alex, what was your favorite part of the film? Man, it's really tough to pick a favorite part. Um, but I really like, uh, when number 42 reveals himself. Yeah. Uh, I love when big character changes happen mm-hmm. in, in any, any sort of media where he's like a timid old man. And then turns out, uh, 
actually he can take you all down if he really wants to. Like he's just sort of got this act and he's there for another 21 years. And you, you, like the more I found out about him in the movie, the more, the more I was like interested. And mm-hmm. it was uh, like that, that scene in particular, it's such a, it's a it's a cool dark scene, but then you'll see the um, the light shining through the bars mm-hmm. on his face. It's uh, it, it's so sinister after uh, after you see him for the first half of this movie, and he's just like this scared old man who's you know who's uh got angina or whatever, and mm-hmm. <laughs> you know he's uh he, he really uh really lets lets the audience know how vulnerable he is or, or tricks the audience into thinking that he's vulnerable. It's, it's a very convincing performance as both an actor and uh, someone trying to conceal their true identity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love the way that that shot where it kind of alternates between when they're surrounding him and it keeps kind of alternating perspectives uh, from them to him. Um, yeah. And it's, yeah. it's really fun. It's always fun seeing bad guys be humbled, you know, <laughs> uh-huh. seeing them all be like, Oh, <laughs> I also um, have to give a shout out to uh, Ken Takakura's style in this movie because not only uh, does he have that that funky hat, but um, when uh, when when he escapes, he's and they get into the cabin. He's got like a hat and some sunglasses on, <laughs> and he just looks sort of goofy. <laughs> yeah, and he he always looks cool in the look that they give him in the scene where he attacks the rival yakuza, like the the part before he gets arrested, like with the black jacket draped over his shoulders yeah. you know that's a sort of classic uh look and he always looks great like that um it might be because i've been playing yakuza zero lately <laughs> uh but i um i wanted to see more of that life mm-hmm. for him uh that and uh i kept thinking to myself god he just walked right in <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah, so my my favorite aspect, you know, my favorite scene probably is also that scene where uh, Onitora reveals himself to be uh, a badass dude because I, you know, I love that part too. Uh, but my favorite aspect uh, besides that is the and that and the snowy landscape and all that stuff is the the theme song and how it's used. Um, yeah, yeah, we haven't we haven't talked at all about the music. Yeah, so and it's like important yeah yeah <laughs> the thing that i love about it so it's sung by takakura which is uh you know somewhat typical uh but unlike what i typically see where like a theme song will be sung maybe at the beginning and the end of a movie just to sort of introduce you to the characters and leave you off uh thinking about them again or or like in tokyo drifter where it is sung throughout the film but it's the same lyrics over and over again i love that this one we're getting like different verses each time throughout the film and it's like helping to tell the story like it's yeah it's like a greek chorus kind of thing yeah yeah like a, yeah that sounds good yeah i was gonna say it's like almost like a musical only the character there isn't the contrivance where the characters are gonna like actually break out into song uh but it is yeah <laughs> greek chorus is a good way to put it um I, I kept thinking to myself this is like this movie plays like a ballad like ah this is the ballad of you know mm-hmm. of abashiri prison yeah, like yeah. it's uh i do you know if the other movies have that have that device this uh this recurring this recurring um these recurring uh, not uh, that i really elements? recall um i don't think so um i think they sort of turn into sort of more by the numbers yakuza films with the sort of idea that you're just down to watch uh takakura do his thing um not a bad not a bad uh yeah not a bad thing either but yeah interesting um yeah did do you have anything else to say about the music um just uh, no just just what i said yeah i guess yeah. uh okay i was i was impressed by it it reminded me uh well of course it reminded me of of bunta singing mm-hmm. in um you know in uh truck yarrow and uh i i i, I like I, I that's another thing that he's got in common with with uh with suwara you know mm-hmm they both are in these movies where they both sing and I, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like I that. I like that a lot straws. about these old Japanese movies is that the stars sing their own theme songs and, and yeah. they're usually good at it. And I don't know. It's a, it's a, I like that sort of complete package thing. It makes it feel very romantic or something. I don't know. <laughs> it's like a singing cowboy, mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah. Yeah. 
Sure, yeah, the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Um, <laughs> so, uh, shall we dance? Um, you know, uh, Scott listed off a pretty good list of like similar movies uh, from this time period and stuff that this definitely evokes. Um, did you guys have any other kind of thoughts about like who could be in an American remake or or movies that this reminded you of? I'll go last since I've got some strong ideas. Okay. <laughs> You know, I don't know. It's it's tough because like breakout movies are, are I'm not going to say they're fairly common, but it's a pretty common idea. Uh, and but they're but a prison breakout isn't like it's not it's generally never the main focus of a movie. It's usually like an element that shows up in the second or the third act, mm. sort of like sort of like this one. But yeah. I feel like the 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 bulk of the movie is is the escape right in this one. I, that's certainly what it feels like. Um, but I. I can't think of any instance off the top of my head where a movie has had this thing where the parole officer is like, ah, I got to go get him now. Like, I'm going after him now. Like, uh, where there's a misunderstanding. Yeah, I really I, like that sort of, like, personal <laughs> connection that they give him where they injure his wife. Like, it feels, it's, you know, pretty contrived, but, like, it, I like giving them that connection rather than just kind of like, uh, this guy I trusted is out of prison. That makes me yeah, sad. He, he was already super mad about that, but it gives us a lot more stakes that he mm-hmm. has like a personal reason to hate this guy. In addition, just being angry about his dishonor or whatever. Yeah. And it makes it when yeah. he approaches him at the end with a gun, like more likely that he might just shoot him right there. Cause he's so mad, you know? Yeah. Uh, Joey, did you have any? Yeah. No, go ahead, Scott. Or were you about to say something, Alex? No, I was going to say that I I didn't really think of it when I... <laughs> nothing jumped out at me when I watched this movie, I'll be honest. Um, a lot actually jumped out at me, so... Uh, well, you've got enough for the <laughs> both of us, then. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, like, I the, the biggest thing that popped out in my mind watching this was Cool Hand Luke. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and to just, like... The cool Hand Luke came out two years after this. And honestly, like this, if it had been in color, I could have seen this just coming out at some point in the U S around the time of all those other movies, just because it's, it fits in so th- well theme wise, but not like the, the, those movies are a lot more uh, anti-authority mm-hmm. and subversive than this one is. Um, but yeah, you you could have this like cool hand. Luke could have honestly been this movie with uh with uh Paul Newman and George Kennedy and uh Harry Dean Stanton as Kunye Tanaka's character. <laughs> and, oh my god, that'd be perfect. <laughs> um but yeah, like these are broad character archetypes that I recognize from a lot of different stuff. And so like aside from just like putting it one to one on on Cool Hand Luke, uh from what I've seen of of uh ken takakura he actually reminds me a lot of uh robert redford Mm. of having this kind of like rugged exterior but he's actually a really good dude Mm. yes he's 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 more kind of subdued than than kind of smarmy like paul newman or other uh leading men of the time but uh for Mm. for yoda's character i uh, I feel like Powers Booth would be a really good choice for that. Um, <laughs> yeah, but he's, yeah, I could, I could see that. He's got the right kind of like swagger and sinisterness to him, and like he, he kind of both, both him and George Kennedy have the same kind of look as Yoda of this kind of like bigger, broader dude that's that smiles a lot. And then, uh, honestly, Kunia Tanaka, the actor that he reminds me most of on the planet, is John Totoro. <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting oh my god wow this um, is uh you're nailing this man this is uh <laughs> this is the reason that we have this segment like because this is in this is an inspired list but yeah they, they like all of those instantly jumped out to me is like yeah this because because yeah it's it's remarkable to me how little this actually has to do with yakuza and it's like the the archetype of the prison movie just translates so well between the two cultures, even though there's so many differences otherwise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't really like uh, call this a Yakuza movie. Like, um, I think one of the reasons why I, I track this down also is that in the um, Arrow box set for Battles Without Honor and Humanity in the booklet, like they mentioned this movie a lot because I think that it it 
pushed the needle a bit more towards what would eventually happen with battles where it was kind of more serious. Uh, yeah. Cause the stories about, or, you know, criminal stories um, that, that were a little darker, a little more muddy uh, morally and stuff like mm. that. Um, rather than this sort of heroic uh, Yakuza figures of the sort of Jidai Geki uh, movies mm-hmm. um, or Ninkyo Ega uh, movies. And um, and so that I think in that way, this movie is really important. Uh, uh, that kind of leads to eventually there being these kind of gritty Yakuza movies. But I have a hard time saying like, yeah, this cool Yakuza movie with Ken Takakura. You know, it doesn't really feel that way because besides like passing mentions of why he's in jail, uh, really the only kind of gangster like qualities are this sort of like hierarchies within the jail of like, I'm your superior cause I've been here longer and, and things like that. And that kind of thing seems pretty universal to that kind of experience. Mm-hmm. So yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, this was the, the first like big non period, uh, Yakuza movie, right? Yeah. I think so. <laughs> it's been a while since I read th- those liner notes, but I think that mm. that's the, yeah, I think that's the deal with this. Cool. Um, so Takashi Shimura award. Um, let's see. Uh, let's see. Uh, for me, um, you know, it, this is kind of a tough one. Everybody is so good in it. Uh, Takakura is great, but um, I'd say, and, and you know, Kunio Tanaka's a delight, but I probably would give it to Kanjiro Arashi uh, just because I love his performance so much. But it's kind of hard to decide whether or not it was his performance or just that I love the story arc with that character uh, that's pushing it. But the way Scott's been talking about Torabe, it's starting to make <clears throat> me think that maybe uh, I'd give it to him. I don't know. What, what were you guys thinking? Uh, uh, go, go ahead, uh, Alex. Let's see. Uh, <clears throat> so, um, who played uh, Tsubaki? Uh, that's uh, Tamba, uh, Tetsuro Tamba. Right. Yeah. You know, I gotta say, um, I w- <sighs> he's he's probably it for me. I'll be honest. Mm. He uh, he really stood out to me, um, especially especially when he corners uh, he corners our hero. And tells him, you know, or for the, for, you know, that, uh, you know, it's not because you injured my wife. It's because I can't stand men like you. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's that like really impassioned resolve. Uh, you could practically see the fire emanating from him. Uh, as you say, like there are so many great bits in this, in this movie, so many wonderful scenes. I just, uh, I just thought that he like knocked it out of the park anytime he was on screen. Like you could, you know, you could sense how much he, he wanted to help. Um, you know, you, you, uh, you know, you could, uh, Tachibana, you know, he wanted to, he actually wanted to do right by him. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then you see that kind of, uh, that light switch flip and he becomes, uh, pretty ruthless. It's, uh, I don't know. It's, it's a very, uh, it's a very powerful thing to do, uh, with a character like that, to, you get to know the entire aspect of this person's character within this single movie. And it's just by him saying a few lines. Yeah. And, and I he think doesn't that's, that's uh, get a lot of screen time. Like he's not a standout, like he doesn't stand out quite as much as these sort of silly characters that you live with in the prison and stuff. Um, so right. I'd say that he has a more subtle performance in a lot of ways. Uh, he's not kind of an over the top character. Like, uh, you know, I don't know, like some of the prisoners, but, uh, yeah, that, that's interesting. That's a good choice. Uh, what were you thinking, Scott? Uh, Toru Abe is my like slam dunk just because I, I like him and his character so much, but I think there's a good argument to be made for, uh, Kajiro Arashi and that like mm-hmm. when he, when he is first telling that story about like, call me number 42 and everybody's like, Oh, the death number. Mm-hmm. Um, and talking about how long he has to, to how many more years he has, he is so like meek and pitiful in that scene. And everybody is just kind of like, yeah, whatever, until he reveals how long he's in for. But he's like, no, don't, don't, don't mind me. Don't worry about me. And then like 
the transition throughout the scene where they attack him, where he still starts out, even when he's on his feet, is, Mm -hmm. like, kind of meek and everything. But he, like, it feels like he gets bigger slowly through that scene. Yeah, I think he does, Uh, like, straighten his posture and stuff. Yeah, but, yeah, you can just feel him becoming more powerful as he, like, stretches those, like, muscles of menacing people. And everybody does such a good job selling it of, like... Shrieking, shrinking away, mm-hmm. and like uh, Torabe again, just like the look on his face once it's re- revealed he's the actual guy that that he's been bragging about being linked to this whole time. Um, but yeah, I think I think as much as I like Abe, I think that he's uh, Arashi's got uh, a real powerful presence through the movie, even though he's only in those couple scenes. Nice, yeah. Arashi was my number two for sure. Uh, I had to, I had to, you know, pick one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but Tamba, I think, yeah, Tamba and Rashi were the two main standouts for me. Awesome. Um, well, let's see. One thing that I didn't uh, get a chance to mention, uh, speaking I, that I just realized when I was thinking back about all the different prisoners and stuff, is there's that guy with the like kanji on his head with all the and, and yeah, the other yeah. tattoos and stuff. Uh, when he introduces himself, uh, he he introduces himself as whatever his name is, the Buddha. And mm-hmm. then I was like, I'm curious. I'm going to look up that kanji. And so I looked it up, and it's actually the kanji for moth. And which has the same exact pronunciation, Hotoke, uh, as as one of the words for Buddha. And so I don't know if that's a mistranslation or a joke that he thinks it says Buddha, but it says moth or or what. But <laughs> like the fact that Buddha and moth are the same, uh, you know, are homonyms uh, really makes mothra make a lot more sense uh, to me <laughs> uh, in retrospect, oh. uh, which is interesting. Um but um, yeah, um, maybe he wanted a maybe he wanted a tattoo that said mother, but I uh, stopped <laughs> before I got to finish. <laughs> Put Martha on my head. <laughs> no, not Martha. Um, oh, uh, well, you know, one scene I, I wanted to actually sort of talk about for like half a sec is um, it almost uh, wound up being my favorite scene is when um, you know they're going through uh, delousing or, or the bath uh, or the shower scene, mm-hmm. I guess. And, and they're just acting really rambunctious and goofy. Uh, I thought to myself, this is a great scene because you never see this in like hardcore prison movies <laughs> where all of the prisoners are getting along and just sort of like goofing off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I like about it is it was supposed to be an example of him like being a tough guy and inciting a riot and not being a suck up. But like it was still them like <laughs> singing and dancing <laughs> and chanting and mm-hmm. stuff rather than like punching guards and stuff. Yeah. And how about speaking of baths that like set up uh, of, of how they were bathing where they had like the different steps where like they, they'd be like there'd be a group of them sitting outside the tub like scrubbing and then there'd be a group of them in the tub and then a guard would be like next and then they'd have to like rotate over. Oh, yeah. Then, Honestly, that's the part that reminded me most of uh, Prisoner Scorpion. <laughs> yeah, totally. So oh, I was yeah. like, oh, here's here's some prison nudity. Yeah, there we go. We got some the men get it too. Nudity. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, anything else that you guys wanted to talk about? Um, I, I I did want to mention during the scene where the train is coming and they're laying down on the tracks that I feel like that goes on a couple beats too long. Mm-hmm. Where like it, it is genuinely intense at first. Um, like wondering, like you know, something is going to go bad. You just don't know what. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it—it mm-hmm. it goes to a few too many face shots, <laughs> uh, reaction shots, and to where it actually gets a little funny. <laughs> I don't think that was intentional. I think it's just a, yeah. a difference in pacing of the yeah. time. Totally, right. more patient. Like if they, but if they cut to a squirrel during those cuts, <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, you definitely see like jokes. Uh, framed that way now where it's like cut to this cut to that cut to this cut to that yeah yeah <clears throat> yeah uh but yeah overall uh pretty great movie um yeah glad that great you surprise guys dug for it. me cool so uh who is uh as next month is scott uh yep. what are we going to be talking about next month we are going to be talking about the 2008 academy award winner departures a uh, film about a uh a musician who answers or misunderstands a uh, job posting and ends up uh, becoming a mortician by mistake. Um, 
<laughs> sort is. of like a, in Pirates of uh, Penzance, where <laughs> he meant to be with a pilot, but instead a pirate. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it uh, it's a, actually a think a romantic comedy. My wife recommended this movie. Uh, and really wanted us to cover it. So I'm, and I didn't actually watch it when she did. Um, and it also features the, uh, the, uh, mortician he's training under is played by, uh, Tomo Yamazaki from Tampopo. Nice. That guy loves funerals. Awesome. Yeah. He sure does. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing this. I don't really know much about it. I remember seeing it at the video store, um, but not ever renting it. So I'm glad that's that's what this podcast is good for, making me finally see these movies. Uh, uh, that another I thing seen. to watch out for, it's got a score by Joe Hisaishi. Oh, cool. So. Oh, great. Uh, so, Scott, where can people find you online? Uh, people can find me at uh, Friska Chat on Twitter, V-R-I-S-K-A-C-H-A-T. Uh, and also, I... Have still I've been occasionally streaming video games on uh, Twitch.tv slash Viria V Y R I A. Uh, so check those out. Nice. How about you, Alex? I'm on Twitter at dude exclamation all one word, uh, and my shitpost account is at Weeb Simpsons. Also on Twitter, all one word. Uh, go to superartfight.com slash merch and buy the card game I worked on, Cute Animals on Fire. Speaking of Super Art Fight. Uh, I will be performing with them at AwesomeCon in D.C. So if any listeners are in D.C. and also attending AwesomeCon, uh, come to the weekend of uh, April 26th, and uh, that's where I will be uh, drawing live art uh, with my pals. Awesome. And I'm at Joey Weiser on Twitter uh, and Joey Weiser Comics on uh, Instagram, uh, joeyweiser.tumblr.com and tragic-planet. Uh, for my portfolio and uh, yeah check out the Merman books please Uh, it's a five book series uh, and coming in May I'm going to have a brand new graphic novel called Ghost Hog that I'm very much uh, hoping that folks will check out Uh, starting to get some early reviews and previews and stuff that have been pretty good so that's exciting Um, oh and I have a Patreon Uh, yeah that's new Um, yeah if you check out just for like a couple bucks a month you can see some behind the scenes uh, stuff of what I'm working on each week uh, so yeah, con- consider checking that out. Or I also launched a uh, Kofi if uh, you enjoy my uh, output, uh, be it podcast or art or whatever, uh, talking about dumb stuff on Twitter. Uh, consider every once in a while giving me a few bucks on Kofi, uh, less of a commitment than the Patreon thing. Um, <clears throat> and I'll be at Dink in Denver, a uh, comic <laughs> show on april 13th and 14th uh and yeah so please check that out that'll that'll be fun i've never been to that show before uh and i thought it was going to be a real small thing but i think it's pretty big travis mcelroy is going to be there so that's cool um and uh as for our podcast toho yaro is on twitter at toho yaro and we have a facebook page um and follow us for news and and info about Japanese comics or (laughs) Japanese uh, movies and stuff. And, um, and please email us to gmail.com and subscribe rate and review on Apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Yes. Uh, please do that. Uh, we really appreciate you doing that. (laughs) Um, do it. Yeah. (laughs) And tune in next month for departures. Bye everybody. Bye. 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 Kirari Kirari Nagaretan 
Hamanasu no. 